On the 5th of July, the Isle of Man celebrated its National Day, Timwall Day of course, and the open-air sitting of the island's parliament on the hill in St John's is not only an opportunity for Manx residents to witness laws being proclaimed in person, but a chance for us to submit a petition for redress of grievance and raise the profile of certain issues. Welcome to Agenda, Lewis Foster in place for Phil Gorn this week. Tonight, we'll be taking a look at the 23 petitions handed over on this year's Timwall Day. Before making their way down the procession, a dozen individuals with hopes of having their petitions picked up by members of the island parliament stood before Jonathan King, clerk of Timwald at the Lichgate, who explained what they'd be about to do. Amongst those being briefed were three individuals whose petitions focused around injuries they believed to be caused by COVID-19 vaccines. Nicola Brindley, Natalie Birchall and Stephen Watton. So I had first dose of AstraZeneca and unfortunately I had a severe systemic allergic anaphylaxis reaction and it not only cost me my job but it's also cost me my health. So how do you know it was from the vaccine? It was confirmed on my medical records and it was within a couple of hours after having it so there was no denying that it was the cause. That's the biggest thing I'd like, support and acknowledgement of injuries on the Isle of Man. We have about 3,400 peer review studies that have come out from adverse effects from the vaccine. So this is happening, it's just to what extent is what we're asking. Could that not be the effects of long COVID and not the effects of the vaccine? Um, well, it's something we're asking we need investigating. I don't want to think my mother died from the vaccine, but I do. I would want them to make sure that nothing like this ever happens again, that we exercise prudence, we wait for scientific evidence before we do this sort of thing again. Nicola Brindley, Natalie Birchall and Stephen Watton there. The trio were applauded by certain members of the crowd as their petitions were handed over. Well, among the gang of petitioners this year, a familiar face, Martin Perkins, who you may remember as Garth MHK before the 2021 election. He was there to present a petition concerning nuclear power and calling for small modular reactors to be considered for the island. I feel that the Isle of Man government should have a committee of people that seriously investigate the small modular nuclear reactors. And we need to be self-sufficient in everything, including energy. And if you look at how technology has advanced worldwide um, over the last four or five years, uh, these small modular reactors would fit on the island and uh, I think we need to look into it. I'm not saying go down that route, but certainly examine it for the pros and cons. You think it's an area that's been left out in the talk about energy in the last few years? Yeah, I, I think we've blindly gone down the road of um, solar panels and uh, wind turbines. And if the wind doesn't blow and the sun doesn't shine, are we going to rely on a cable from the UK? Or do we want to be self-sufficient uh, in energy for ourselves? And I think COVID has taught us one thing, that we need to be self-sufficient. Controversial topic, uh, nuclear, some, some fears around uh, the, the safety of it as well, but your confidence in that? Well, this is it. It's the N-word, the nuclear word, and people um, immediately think of Fukushima and uh, Three Mile Island. But things have gone on incredibly fast since then. Um, we've got sailors sleeping next to nuclear reactors in submarines, um, and we just need to look at the technology, because if you said... One of the problems is, with, with the energy we've got at the moment, the lower-income, middle and to 
lower-income families, they can't afford an electric vehicle. They can't afford solar panels on their house. And a lot of people are struggling paying electricity bills they've got at the moment. Now, if we can fix the price for five years, which is what you could do with a nuclear reactor, until it is needing refuelling, you can fix that price, everybody knows where they are confident your petition will get picked up today? I've got three or four MHKs that are very keen to get hold of it. So let's see if the Standards Committee accept it. Um, I've gone through the right channels and I'm told it's in order. So let's keep our fingers crossed and an open mind on how we proceed. Former Garth MHK Martin Perkins there. Well, Charles Gard, local historian, was back with another petition this year, this time concerning the will of Timwald and calling for directions from members of that court not to be usurped by ministers reallocating funds. I've realised that when members vote for Timwald uh, for a resolution, a financial resolution, and they think they've done a job, the minister is able to go to the Treasury secretly under the 1985 Treasury Act and get the allocation of the monies changed. And uh, it they don't have to reference Tinwell, they don't have to tell anyone, and it's only years later that the members of Tinwell realise that what they thought they'd voted for hasn't happened. And to me, this subverts the will of Tinwald. It means Tinwald is not, uh, hasn't got a rick on the Council of Ministers, and the government are not responsible to the will of Tinwald. And I'm asking them to look at this. Uh, I don't know if the members even realise this is happening. It's arisen with the horse trams, of course. Repeatedly, they thought they were voting for the horse trams to go back. They were promised they were. But obviously, somebody's gone to the Treasury and said, well, the budget's overrunning. Can we take the horse trams out and reallocate the money without reference to Tinwald? It's ludicrous. Has this happened anywhere else, as far as you're aware, in any other instances? I can't name any others, but we know it happens because the Act is there. I don't know if the members know about the Act, but I really hope they would review it to see whether they think it's acceptable that this can be done behind their back and, frankly, undermine what Tynwald is there for. Are you hopeful it will get picked up? Well, obviously I am, yes, but there's quite a few petitions going on about various the Legislative Council. There's two on the subject I'm raising, so um, they've got something to think about over the summer. The Douglas Bay horse trams were also the catalyst behind Sarah Goodwin's petition, who wants government to be more transparent. I'm hanging the peg of this on, on the horse trams. In 2017, Tinwald, as a vote in the whole committee, whole sitting of Tinwald, decided that they should run the full length of the promenade. They now don't. It's been truncated at the bottom of Broadway. Now, that decision was never made in Tinwald. It was made, I'm not quite sure who made it, but it was made either by an unelected person or an individual minister. And my petition is that Tinwald should not set the precedent of someone who is unelected or just off their own bat, overthrowing decisions that were taken by the democratically elected government of the island. What would you like to see done? In the short term, I'd like to see the horse trams run the whole length of the promenade. In the long term, I would like to make the whole procedure much more transparent. I mean, in a democracy, if somebody, a lot of people vote for something that I don't like, well, that's tough. I have to live with it. But I don't like it being done as a backstage or behind the scenes because then we don't know who to vote for, what our representatives are saying, or indeed our representatives themselves may not know. And I want it to be made much more transparent. It seems as though transparency is the big thing for you. It, do you feel as though we aren't getting that transparency? I do, yes. Um, I, as I say, that specifically this instance, it's the horse trams. But there have been a number of other, other occasions where things seem to have happened contrary to what has been officially decided. And everybody's gone, well, why has that happened? What's, what's happening there? And it's not made clear. Now, as I say, as I've said before, in, in a democracy, we should know. We might not agree with it, but that's tough. I mean, if you don't agree with it and everybody wants it, that's just tough. You live with it.
but a lot of the decisions seem to have been made where nobody really knows who's making them and why and and that to my mind is is oligarchy and almost tyranny i mean it's not yet but i don't want it to become that way i want our democratically elected representatives to be making the decisions and then after all if we don't like it we cannot vote for them next time or if we do we can and and it, it makes it much more known to everybody what's happening much more open and that's what I've been hearing with um, friends and people that I've spoken to I've had I've actually had quite a lot of I don't want to say fan mail because that sounds a bit weird but a lot of people have said yes we really think this we, we're in favor of it um, I would actually say though if you're really in favor of it hassle your MPs hassle your MHKs write to people and when I say MPs I do actually mean MPs I've had some people from the UK write and say yes it should be much more transparent obviously their MPs can't do anything but you know, do what you can to to say that you want to know what's going on because if you don't it won't change before you went to the MPs did you try contacting your local MHKs well the trouble was my local MHK is Daphne Kane she is in favor of the horse trams running the full length of the promenade but one MHK on its own can't actually change what the whole of Tinwald does and that's why I thought it's got to be a petition for Tinwald because there is nowhere else to take it I'm actually saying Tinwald in this instance is not open. I won't as far as say it's getting it wrong, but it's not open, and therefore only Tinwald can change it. Tinwald as a whole, not individuals. Away from the horse tramps now, and Manx Care was the topic of choice for Simon Mann's petition, who's highlighting funding gaps faced by the health body. I've actually got two petitions today. The main petition uh, comes about as a result of the government having underfunded Manx Care this year. In the mandate, they left the island substantially short. They didn't cover the rate of inflation on last year's figures. Manx Care themselves have indicated that they're 39.7 million uh, short and 80 million on the Jonathan Michaels recommendations, so we're a long way behind. Effectively, the Isle of Man government spent a lot of money on the Jonathan Michaels report and the recommendations that cost them nearly a million pounds. It's cost them three million pounds per year extra for Manx Care and having spent that money they now have consciously, all of them, put through a mandate this year that's underfunded our health service. So just now you're going to see our government go and sit up on the hill there as proud as one would expect them to be whilst looking down on a Manx nation that they failed. You simply cannot underfund your health service. You know, we have in the the public arena a debate about assisted dying. Well, you've got a government effectively in cutting the, 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 the funding to our health service. It's leaving people on waiting lists. They can't get appointments to their doctors and so on. Well, what quicker way of assisting people to die than, 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 than cutting the funding? So my petition is now calling for that to be corrected. It's calling for funding to come from the causative industries, first of all. That is gambling, the alcohol, uh, drinks industry and fast food. Now on top of that, there's an opportunity really out there for more recovery from insurances. Now if you look at an accident and emergency department, Uh, Primarily, an awful lot of people who attend hospitals attend there as a result of accidents, and a lot of them are insurable events, but we're not recovering money from insurance companies. So the proposals are further reaching 
with the intention really that, that more compulsory insurance will be uh, put in place. My petition falls short of calling for personal medical insurance. You know, we, we don't want to go to that system. But what it does call for is, is extensions to car insurance, to household insurance, to commercial premises insurance, and insurance for sport. You know, a vast number of injuries at the hospital are sports-related injuries, workplace-related injuries, and some of the costs of those injuries are, uh, are long-lasting. But a health service never recovers from the, from the insurable source, and so my petition really is to promote discussion now to see that the health service gets properly funded uh, for the future. Simon Mann there. Peel resident Nigel Sparing wants the length of time dog walkers are allowed on Peel Beach to be extended. He says he took the matter to Tumult after hitting a brick wall with commissioners. The petition I'm presenting today is um, a petition to actually lift some of the restrictions of the bylaws um, so that we can have more access for dogs on Peel Beach. Um, we've had an issue when 2010 when the bylaw was put together uh, the committee came together with some of us and we picked a certain summer months to obviously have the restrictions and unfortunately the Pill Commissioners have extended that and I want to bring them all closer to the other beaches on Peel which extend them longer and uh, we have tighter restrictions so uh, they allow it from, uh, we, we were not allowed access from the 1st of April until the end of September. Um, and they take that as a, as a summer month and I'm telling you now in April on Pearl Beach that's not the summer month so we'd like to move it um, to the other beaches which is from the 1st of May to the end of September and also before 9 o'clock in the morning and after 7 o'clock at night which all the other beaches do that but unfortunately the commissioners of Peel have put this bylaw together and it doesn't stand and it's not correct really for dog owners of, of Peel. The petition from Richard Holmes called for a select committee to examine the operations of the police complaints Commissioner. He says complaining about the police is a serious matter and it's important allegations are handled independently. These processes, I believe, are very important for the island's you know, governance and the good governance of this island and the rule of law. Dr Andrew Martin now and his petition was calling for a select committee to be formed to look at reducing the powers of the chief minister. It was quite an experience actually when you're there to walk through the, the Grandier Guards down the, the path. Um, yeah, it's quite something. But um, yes, my petition is basically that um, I think the executive here has become far too powerful beyond what was envisioned when we moved to a system of councillor ministers in the 90s to the point where we're now seeing widespread governance failure that is, is effectively out of control. Um, Tim Ward can't control this. Um, the, powers, the powers and patronage of the chief minister are too great, especially considering he wasn't He's not got any party basis for his policies or anything like that. Um, and so what I've called for in my petition effectively is um, to really strip down the role of chief minister with more to what the democratic mandate for that is, is, which would be more of a figurehead role, exactly like we had in the 80s with the executive council, where the, where the chief minister is more of a representative and a figurehead and can still have some few powers but does not have the power to hire and fire ministers that was turned to Tim Wald and where um, Tim Wald takes far greater control about consensus-based policy making because we don't have a party system or, or there's been very few party politicians in the last 30 years 
our system is effectively turning us into a bit of a one-party state. And you have history in government, if I remember rightly, so you're quite clued in on all this. How much effort, how much work went into your petition? Um, not too much, if I'm honest. I've had a lot of experience with dealing with issues with government and it's frustrating because um, you find out, you can even find out they've broken the law, for example, and um, they just say, so what? We don't care. Uh, they actually said about uh, me at one time, um, the Attorney, Gen uh, Attorney General's chambers assess me as not a threat and therefore they continue to break the law just because they don't perceive that I'm going to sue them and I don't know how that's okay. And they're doing this across the whole of government. It's a bit out of control. Is there anything else you'd like to mention regarding your petition? Yes. So a key part of my petition actually um, is, is um, about funding and the budgets of Timwald, uh, Cock Timwald's office, and the Timwald Commissioner for Administration, who's the, the, uh, the island's ombudsman, um, who is the kind of final port of call for the public to really get their complaints addressed. Her budget is set by Treasury. It's controlled by Treasury and the, the, the executive. So she asked in, in um, financial statements that were released as part of FOIs um, recently, um, she asked for this financial year for thir uh, from an uplift from 32,000 to 50,000, or she said she wouldn't be able to fulfill her statutory functions, aka she wouldn't be able to address people's complaints about the government. The government only gave her a budget of, she asked for 50,000, the government only gave her an uplift of 2,000 to 34,000. That's with ongoing inflation as well. So effectively they cut her budget in real terms. And I don't see how that's justified and how that's right. And I've, I just wanted to stand up some, for something that I believe isn't right. Mark Cleeter had two petitions, one concerning what he believes to be a lack of Manx lawmakers, arguing it leaves the law here without proper scrutiny, and another regarding protection from what he calls vexatious litigation. We don't have any legislation on the Isle of Man to stop the, um, the use of vexatious litigation. Vexatious litigation is where... Um, Basically, a wealthier party could perhaps use concepts such as um, uh, filibustering and attrition um, and just to push and push and push ordinary parties to a point where they just basically have to give in and therefore you then get a win from the vexatious party. You could even potentially then have um, faulty precedent created because there's been a win that they've managed to create and then precedent is created if the, uh, if the lesser party can't afford to actually appeal it and then the Isle of Man ends up with law based on faulty precedent and, and so it continues and that is going on. It's what's happening on the Isle of Man. We do have a problem here. Uh, because in the UK, you know, perhaps there's 56 million people and there's only um, 85,000 people on the Isle of Man. And in, in the UK, w there are um, uh, the combination of up to 2,000 people, basically the MPs and the Lords add up to roughly 2,000 people. In the Isle of Man, we've got 35 people. I don't think that those 35 people are sufficient to actually be... M deciding whether or not law is correct for the Isle of Man. It's just not good enough in the 21st century. And I need to highlight it. I'm absolutely sure that my petitions will get pushed into the long grass. But by doing these interviews and getting people to listen, hopefully the public will start to wake up and realise that being a proud Manxman these days means nothing. There's a boat in the morning is a pointless thing to say. What we need to do is actually get control of what's going on again and actually say, no, we need something that works in the 21st century. If there's working law, 
in the UK, then we should just either adopt that or we need to find a way, and I have suggested ways, we need to find ways to actually ensure that we've got enough people overseeing our laws. The Attorney General's chambers in the Isle of Man are a shambles. Nobody's happy with them anymore. It's up and down. Like, there's loads and loads of them. So they sit there producing whatever the law they like. There's maybe a hundred or so people in that department, but we've got 35 people. Um, we've got the 24 MHKs and we've got our eight MLCs, really, um, who are then checking that law. They're not up to it. On educational matters, David Watts is arguing for a select committee to put in place a framework which would see pupils' results better compared internationally, saying the performance data here is currently limited. Coming up to the season of exam results, everyone will say standards have fallen, etc. And year after year, the Department of Education say we're not comparable with other jurisdictions. They say the UK, for example, put every school into one pool of results. Well, that's not true. You can access individual results by sector and by actual exam subjects. So I'm asking the Timor to look at that and also to engage in a programme called PISA, which is the Programme for International Student Assessment. Over 80 countries enter that and that's a test of 15-year-olds in English, Maths and Science using critical thinking, digital learning, etc. Seeing how good the standard of education is in each of those 80-odd jurisdictions and they're across the globe. I have absolutely no hope whatsoever. I have done petition after petition, year after year on education. Education attainment is the elephant in the room as far as the keys are concerned. No member wants to stand up and say, actually, the secondary school in my constituency is not up to scratch, or the primary school. They just won't do it. Maybe fear of what the results would actually be? Absolutely. And I, I've written a number of papers on the Positive Action Group website. They've had over 32,000 downloads, and these are comprehensive papers. You know, running to 80, 90 pages of data and people are accessing that. I get requests from lots of people seeking to relocate to the Isle of Man asking me, where's the good schools? What's the standard of education like? Surely if you want to attract people with families, they're going to have concerns about education. So what better way of selling the island than saying, look, our system's great, but if it isn't, we're in trouble. And do you think we're in trouble? Um, personally, looking at the results I've seen, we do not perform that well. I have regular correspondence with the education department. I've done I do an FOI request roughly once a month um, to get this data because, of course, they won't even publish this data. So even as a parent, I have to go and find out how my school is performing. I can't go to a website. Some schools, I have to say, though, are very, very good. And I've indicated those in the petition. Those, like St Ninians, publish their exam results by department. So you can look as a parent and say, hey, look, the chemistry department's really good or whatever. Um, but yes, I'm in regular engagement, if you like, with the Department of Education, but it's a battle because time and time again they are, you smoke and mirrors, they're the masters of obfuscation that government department. They have claims of being or want to be a world-class education system, but how do we know what's world-class? What are they benchmarking it against? So there's 80 countries out there we can benchmark. Those countries range from really high attainers like Singapore to the Palestinian authorities. You know, we look at all the trouble in Palestine and imagine what schooling's like in Palestine, but how do we compare with their system? Because the kids will sit the same sort of assessments. Very interesting to find out. And well, last and certainly not least, Serial Timwell Day petitioner Trevor Cowan. Yeah, I've only got nine this year. I had 11 last year, but I suppose in that respect, I failed slightly, but uh, these are the most important ones. His topics ranged from grievances with the information commissioner and another brought back from recent years regarding the demolition of Glenfaber House. Well, that's it for Agenda tonight, with thanks to all the petitioners who spoke to myself and Chanel Suku in St. John's this year. 
Will the MHKs on top of the hill take up their issues and do something about it? Time will tell. For now, Guru Mayad, and thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.